0: Welcome to the Marshall Pro Podcast, brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers. We have an episode of Catching Up With our short-form interview show. This time, it is IMSA President Scott Atherton. Spoke with Scott Saturday afternoon at Road America. Actually, had to cut the interview a little bit short, just as we were getting to some really good stuff about DPI 2.0, because he had to go and give the command to start engines. The Michelin Pilot Challenge event. I cut that part out. It was kind of funny, though. He was truly on a roll and said, Oh, I got to go. And so he did. Nonetheless, good catch up. Pretty much all this centering on what he delivered during Friday evening's State of the Series Address, the annual State of the Series Address done at Road America. Wanted to go a little bit beyond what was on the written page and share some of the thoughts, some of the general tones to the bits about television. Very interesting, some metrics there that were shared about the difference, what they've seen so far in being on NBC, SN, and NBC Sports uh, plus CNBC and the NBC Sports app this year compared to long time uh, predating IMSA back to both Grand Am and America Le Mans Series days at Fox. Good stuff there. Definitely get into some of the scheduled bits. Also, the some of the stability items, which I, I really appreciate that Imps has been able to deliver. And we do close on DPI a bit. One little factoid that seems to have come out, and I'm going to explore this beyond this podcast. Hopefully, who knows? Whether it's with Scott or Imps' technical director, Simon Hodgson, on DPI 2.0, definitely feels like there's some interesting thought processes taking place. In regards to hybrids and at least what scott shared with us just before he had to run looks like they might not bake themselves into one specific power level it looks like they might be thinking to the future and giving themselves some flexibility depending upon what changes might come down within the industry so anyways that's where we close definitely more to follow whether it's in podcast or in written form not quite sure yet but hopefully you enjoy this 15 minutes or so with IMSA President Scott Atherton, brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers. Scott Atherton, I love it when we are in the time of year where the Kettle Moraine Valley, Elkhart Lake, and Road America is here because that means we have state of the series conversations to hold. Interesting, this one, though, right? No major bombshells. We're going to be switching all cars to use warp drive power. Um, We're now mandating 17 drivers per car. It seemed like the overriding message that you shared with the paddock Friday evening was what we have is working and we're going to build on it compared to here's a bunch of major structural changes calendar or competition-wise. Share some thoughts about that, because not every series can boast that year to year.
1: You just hit the nail on the head, Marshall. I think it's a byproduct of what we have done since the merger. If you go back to 2014, that first year we were together as one, and you're right. You know, in in the years that followed, there was some major changes, some material changes that we made, you know, in class structure and driver ratings, in race uh configurations, in schedule configurations. We feel like we've settled into a level of maturity and a, a level of of stability here. And this'll sound like a broken record comment, but it mostly fits the profile of it's a don't fix it if it's not broken situation. Sure. You know, we, we feel like we're working with the best promoter partners, with the best road racing venues in North America. Um, we've got a great partner in NBC that's doing wonderful things with our broadcasts. And hard hard pressed to look at the calendar and and point out where it's weak. You know, it, it, to your point, I think we're we're probably an enviable example compared to some others that uh, wish they had the, the type of configuration that we have.
0: You mentioned NBC, and that was one of the other lead-in questions I had as well. So obviously not finished with the first complete season of everything being on NBC Sports. What's the general tone within the conversations that you've had to plan for 2020? It would appear from the outside those conversations were very positive, knowing that Uh, more network time has been secured to open the season and to close next season, but what's the engagement been like in helping to arrive at next year's TV coverage?
1: Well, let's first talk briefly about where we are this year, and that is, as we speak today, going into the Road America weekend, our TV numbers, for the most part, are at parity with where we were this time last year. So, as was said last night it would be hard to get excited about just being you know even with where we are however when you put it in the context that last year at this time we had had two network fox broadcasts that in our environment that is the secret sauce that's where your numbers go way up you obviously play to a much larger audience and it definitely helps the tv results across the board we thought we were And we were scheduled to have our first NBC network broadcast from Canadian Tire Motorsport Park for a combination of reasons, none of which were within our ability to control. That didn't happen. So our network TV still to come, our WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca event will be live flag to flag on NBC network. And the first three hours of Motul Petit Le Mans, the same live on the network. So we are expecting to finish up the year extremely strong in that area. When you look to next year and how we're configured from our broadcast partner, you're right, we're able now to bookend the season with network coverage. The first several hours, uh, I don't know off the top of my head how many, but let's just say it's two or three hours live from the Rolex 24 at Daytona, and then we'll come back and finish up the same way in 20 as we will here in 19. So great support from NBC across the board, not only in the WeatherTech Championship, but in all of our platforms that enjoy the NBC Sports Network coverage.
0: Just from a good Lord, I really feel sorry. Where do we send either the blankets or coffee or I don't know department? It's the completing, what is it, six or seven complete racing schedules between weather tech championship michelin pilot challenge uh this and that the other I mean, between lamborghinis and yeah, good lord knows um share a little <laughs> bit about that because yeah. part of me thinks like i'm hoping a it's not one person and if it is what did they do to deserve it because it sounds kind of like misery
1: uh well to your point it's never one person i don't know of any job function within the whole of IMSA that comes down to one person but yes yeah I'm glad that you brought this up because I, I thought perhaps maybe I was the only one that uh, you know understood the significance of what was accomplished last night and that for the first time ever we were able to announce all seven of the IMSA sanctioned racing platform schedule ridiculous. <laughs> with no TBAs no TBDs and it's a byproduct of a lot of hard work by a lot of people, including our promoters, to work very closely with us to pull all this together. And it's a, a giant exhale now that that's done and we can settle in. And it gives everybody a long-range opportunity to plan, organize what their programs will be next year. And it's just a positive across the board.
0: Speak about some com- competition-related items, Scott. The one that I had been expecting and I think many had been expecting because it's just a common sense thing. And that was shortening the LMP two calendar next season of the various reasons for doing. So I would assume trying to offer a um, more efficient budget, giving LMP two teams a chance to uh, hopefully Get more business more customers through the door knowing that it's a pro-am class you shared just some overarching thoughts on why the reduction to six points paying rounds plus the addition of daytona which is a non-points event but what were the things that helped you form that decision and what did at least our current full-time team owners in pr1 matheson and also performance tech what kind of feedback did they give you in this determination?
1: Uh, it's, it's an easy answer because uh, it was primarily feedback and and dialogue that we were having with those team owners that led us to that conclusion. And this is just the most recent example of IMSA responding to direct feedback coming from our stakeholders No one knows better than they do of what's needed. You know, listen to your customers; they're they're never wrong. And it was a hard decision to be candid to to take the Rolex 24 out of the WeatherTech Championship for the LMP2 category. Um, The team owners are of the opinion that they will still be an active participant at Daytona. In fact, this move will potentially attract more entries. They're still racing for a watch, they're still racing for a trophy, but they're not racing for championship points unless they are committed to the Michelin Endurance Cup. In that case, obviously, you've got to be at Daytona and then come back for the other three. The other material change we made in the LMP2 class was to eliminate the Canadian Tire Motorsport Park event. So that eliminates the back-to-back weekend between uh, Watkins Glen and Canada again it's another budget consideration they asked for a six race season that would give them the ability to offer a full season championship budget that will be at or below what a current european le mans series budget and win a north american very prestigious championship for that level of investment so it is a bit of an experiment but it was all done in the name of responding to our stakeholders and with the full expectation that the element LMP two car counts increase.
0: That was another point I wanted to touch on Scott. And this isn't, you know, it's not blowing smoke. It's just, it's something I'm really happy to see. If we look across to the NTT IndyCar series, for example, they have built a very strong reputation in particular since Jay Fry came on board as an organization that is paddock driven what they're hearing from their their stakeholders, do more of this, do less of that. Here's a particular need this segment might have. Very open to that, very reactive. At least for how I processed this LMP2 competition change, it ticked all of those same boxes. You and I can't say that that might have always been the case in north american sports car racing over the last decade or two across a variety of organizations not specifically imsa but i love what i'm seeing here which is we're not going to be rigid and inflexible we see a need we're hearing a need let's act now and you know what after 2020 if there is some the kind of positive change we want we could make another change to add more rounds if that's better just share some thoughts about that because i don't know if IMSA always gets the credit that it should for that reactiveness to its paddock's needs.
1: I would agree, but it's, you know, nobody's complaining about that. I mean, I I would say for the most part, the job of a sanctioning body is a thankless job. Uh, And I'm not trying to be the martyr, you know, mope around by any means. It's just, you know, when your job is to officiate and hold people accountable Um, It can oftentimes be a thankless situation. In the examples you're giving, this is, as I said before, it's just the most recent example of how we've responded to our stakeholders. There's a long list. I would hope people would say IMSA has always been very responsive. In some cases, it takes longer than others because you don't want to go in and, and move the goalposts mid-season. So sometimes you realize a change is needed, but you have to wait for the following season. We made another couple of changes in our uh, IMSA Prototype Challenge category, where you know, mandating a bronze driver in each car uh, changing to the, the pit stop configuration to now be and not a timed event, but a part of the competition. So whoever gets in and out the fastest is going to benefit from it. Um, things of that nature are all examples of responsiveness to our paddock, as you say. And, um, I hope that'll never change.
0: One thing I was very disappointed to not see in any of the state of the series announcements, you know, a lot of stuff has been played up this year about IMSA's 50th anniversary. Seems like folks have forgotten year 51. What kind of big celebrations are being had there? Kidding aside, let's close, Scott, on DPI. There was some really interesting framework uh, shared with the paddock of, okay, third quarter 2019, we're looking to do this. Uh, First quarter of 2021, we're expecting this to happen or that to happen. Know that these are all guidelines and targets, not necessarily everything written in ink 100%. But how does it feel to be able to say, guess what? It's becoming less of a concept and more of a, all right, folks start planning for these dominoes to fall, all leading up to uh, DPI 2.0 emerging Uh, January of 2022, guessing things are starting to feel a little bit more solid and you're liking that?
1: Yes. The job that Simon Hodgson, Matt Murdoch, who is our lead engineer on this process, they are working literally full-time on this and have been, and there's a whole room full of people that fit that profile. We've got a technical working group format that involves currently nine manufacturers as well as the four constructors, uh, soon to be 10, we believe. I think there's another manufacturer that's going to join this process as well. Um, It goes back quite a ways when this initially started. Um, It was the second quarter of This year, where the feasibility study had been completed, we knew, I would say, the framework of what the next generation DPI was going to be. We have built a a wind tunnel model, a 40% scale model that's in the tunnel as we speak. Um, It's not specific to any brand. It's more of a generic example, but it does incorporate some more radical bodywork elements, which is part of the next generation car giving manufacturers the opportunity to style these cars more aggressively the next step in the process is to go to tender for the hybrid supplier um, i think there's 10 or 11 different suppliers that we've been actively in contact with uh, that'll happen at any time now they're, they're just about ready to go to market with that following that decision technical regulations will be completed no later than the first quarter of 20. Uh, hopefully it's before then, but certainly no later than then. And with that, it's uh, it's up to each manufacturer then to make their decisions and, and to get busy actually building the cars. The cars will begin testing Q1 of 21, and they'll make their racing debut at the Rolex 24 at Daytona in January of 22.
0: Now, one of the key topics that has been discussed in print, we've had some manufacturers vocalizing their desires on the hybrid front, some saying we want high power. I believe some, possibly the largest majority, saying we're okay with the lower power, again, approximately 50-ish horsepower. So there might be a few that have said, bah, I don't know if we need a hybrid. Clearly, the series is going hybrid in DPI. Curious, though, if you believe a consensus has been reached on big power, low power. Uh, I guess it's the Goldilocks. I don't know if one's too hot, one's too cold, which one's just right. But curious if you've gotten there yet.
1: I would say yes to the consensus. Um, it, It perhaps isn't a unanimous vote, but I think in this case, a majority rules and Keep in mind that this is a car, that here we are in August of 19, that will make its racing debut in 22 and is then intended to continue racing through the end of 26. So that's a long runway and uh, that's driving a lot of these decisions. You know, we're not, not making the decision based on what's perhaps ideal for today and relevant, but that's a consideration. but. So also is the longevity that we want this car to have.
0: And that was IMSA president Scott Atherton. Thanks again for his time. More to explore here, and really excited now that it feels like DPI 2.0 is starting to take off. Also know that while heavy emphasis has been placed on IMSA's leading prototype class, also getting to that general time frame where heavy thoughts about where GT Le Mans. GTD, what might happen there in the future, knowing that rules and regulations could certainly be evolving on a global standard that could very well impact IMSA on those fronts. If you haven't had a chance, check out our Marshall Pruitt podcast.com site still has a little bit of that new site smell to it. You'll find 600 plus episodes waiting for your delight. With all that said, I am Marshall Pruitt. This is the Marshall Pruitt Podcast brought to you by Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers. Thank you
1: for listening.